Good day. Welcome to episode 18 of the Aaron Wayne podcast. Here we go, guys. It's about time. First guest of the podcast is my buddy Logan Lemke, and he is an ultra distance runner, uh, fresh to the game, but he just crushed a hundred mile race. I uh, put a 50K in that I helped him crew for that we talk about in the podcast, talk about what it's like to train for a hundred mile race as well as execute a hundred mile race. We talk about the crew, the support, all the steps and tricks and all the things that he did to get himself ready. So here we go. Keeping it super professional. You can have your drinks up here. I got my drinks up here. Dude, I got to tell you, I'm super stoked to do this. Mm -hmm. But I'm also like, honestly, like I'm a little nervous about it because I've never done, like I've done about 20 of these and I've kind of saved them up, but it's just been me like, right sitting talking to myself <laughs> so but i'm stoked man like i'll do an intro and everything before this so like people okay. know who you are and like what you're up to but um so you just ran 100 miles and we haven't talked about it at all and like you're one of my best best buds and we like haven't talked about it we, it's like, been saved, hard not to talk about i know it. <laughs> like texting and stuff uh-huh. i saw some of the pictures of you like after like laying in the back of the car as your girlfriend was like driving you back from Texas, which mm-hmm. is just crazy. Mm-hmm. But like, how do you feel? You said you did a run today. How'd it feel? It felt, usually the first couple miles of running is like the first mile always crappy sucks. anyways. Yeah, the first mile always sucks. Today was like, why don't my legs know what they're supposed to do? <laughs> my hips, like just getting them to move in that form was extremely difficult. Is that any better? Yeah, you're good. Um, like the hips are really tight and just like. Did you have like joint pain or it was just kind of not tight? pain? You could just tell it was like a little bit tight, and so like every step was just effort, like trudge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Felt better at like maybe a little over a mile in, but I was very much like, I'm ready for this to stop. Yeah, I gotta tell you, man. I so I did a 50k and I didn't perform nearly like as well as you did on your. 50k that, that I helped crew for and I didn't run for like six months after that like and it completely screwed my head up like so my experience so I'm interested to hear your experience because after I did that 50k and you've like really dedicated yourself to running like you came out of nowhere and like I started training with you and like for the first like three weeks of training together it was like we're sort of at a similar pace and then you just slow and I've talked about it on the podcast before you just like slowly started like going up the hill and then coming back to help me and i'm like helping i'm supposed to be helping you train for the race um but so after i did my 50k it like it screwed my brain up like i was super depressed for an extent like i started smoking cigarettes again Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it just like messed me up um and i didn't run for like six months and when i got back out there it was like it felt like a chore so like how does it feel so you did a hundred miles is like you were probably in a category of maybe in the whole world, like maybe 50,000 people, maybe 250,000 people, something like that. Like right. having run and you did it in under 24 hours, mm-hmm. which is like even more impressive. Um, and so like, I don't even have a question. I'm just talking like, that's just insane. Like, so how do you feel now that you did it? And like, w- like, what does the race mean to you? Cause we can talk, like, we'll get into like how the actual race went, but like now that it's done, I want to know like, what's your head at? Um, something more. You want to do more? How do I get myself into See, something is, I was curious more. about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
But there is some like concern with like some of the issues I had in the race or like, am I going to, how do I get myself to where I don't run into those issues? Yeah. But at like mile, I felt so good at mile like 65 and 70 that I was like, I'm doing longer races for sure. Okay. So, so having done the race, you got to a space like three quarters of the way through where you're like, this is an experience I've never had. Right. And I want more of this. Absolutely. Which sounds crazy. And when you're like like, having seen the picture of you in the back of the van. Right. (laughs) Right. But when you're in like that amount of people that were racing Mm -hmm. and them starting people in waves. Okay. You were constantly, you were constantly like running with people. Okay. And there was a couple of spots where it was like an out and back. Mm -hmm. So you were passing people. So you really had no idea whereabouts you were in the race. Right, 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 right. But you're constantly passing people and everyone was very like encouraging, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're looking really good, blah, 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 blah. And so the whole time it was just like a huge upper. Yeah. That's the cool thing about like the running community generally is like even you go to a 5K and like, you know, somebody will finish the race in like 16 minutes or whatever, but they'll like cheer people on that are like jogging their way through Mm -hmm. it. And I imagine at a hundred miler and just like in the ultra community generally, like having been to your race, having gone to my race and been to like, it's just like the ultra community is like super supportive. Absolutely. They want you to do well. The, it being a loop too, right? Mm-hmm. So after so the first 20 people. miles, you knew the mm-hmm. course and then you were keep coming back to like the start finish line. And I don't know if this is like unique to the Rocky Raccoon race. But right after the start finish line, mm-hmm. it's like a shoot of all of the crews mm-hmm. with pop ups and stuff. So you oh, go in cool, the middle cool, of everybody cool. for yeah, like yeah. a couple hundred yards. Oh, cool! So every time and you they went got, like, back through, so, like, they got everything yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was it was really really awesome from that aspect. But at the same time, you kind of knew as you were getting like through the end of the shoot, mm-hmm. you were like, "Oh man, I got another." Now I'm lonely. Twenty miles <laughs> until I get back <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, that was that was one of the funnier. Um, experiences and yeah. to kind of like relate to what you're saying about like being depressed yeah. after the, yeah, the yeah. 50k i think i lucked out by meeting rachel in that race yeah, yeah, and yeah. having somebody which was your last new, race your last right. big race was your 50k yeah having somebody new to run with afterwards mm-hmm. because i remember that whole first month of running after the 50k was terrible really i felt terrible right it felt yeah we we haven't even talked about like because that was like the last time i think that might have been the last time we hung out for a while like Like for a long chunk of time do you know what i mean because like you got halloween party super serious into training Mm -hmm. and stuff so so that helped you like kind of recalibrate after absolutely and then having having rachel trying to get to like her peaking before her race in december Mm -hmm. so she was like really a high mileage rate too so that like mm-hmm. forced me at least on our long runs that mm-hmm. i was really had to like pick it up yeah, yeah um and then my dad kept saying that you know you weren't going to see the benefits of these longer runs for like three weeks after and then literally we made it to like a month after that 50k and i started feeling so good fit and, and we were running runs and your dad's at, an experienced runner he does like right he does like spark did a lot of stuff. marathon stuff he was a college cross-country runner and mm-hmm. then did all the marathons and now he's really into all the spartan races yeah yeah um but yeah once i started like feeling the benefits and like feeling strong that was like a good feeling because yeah, then my yeah. fitness was at a level that like didn't matter how far 
we were going, right? Mm-hmm. I felt good. You felt like you could the go the entire run. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so you don't feel like that right now. <laughs> I do not. I, I feel the absolute opposite of that right now. Yeah. Absolute opposite for sure. Yeah. Right. The the last I felt really good right after Rachel did her hundred kilometer race. I mean So it's like sixty six miles. Something well like it's that? supposed to be sixty two. Okay. But this race, the Hellgate hundred K the race director, David Horton, is known for what they call hoardy miles. Okay. So four miles to the next aid station. Yeah. It's really like six and a half miles to the next and aid station. And that's another thing that you find in the ultra community. Like there's that documentary on the Barkley Marathons. Have you seen that? Exactly. On Netflix. It's like we say it's 100 miles, but it's actually like one right. and a quarter. You know what right. I mean? So it's like it's kind of cheeky. Mm-hmm. right? And he probably, I don't know this race director or that race, but like the Hellgate, and then if it's 62 miles, I would try to bump it up to like 66.6 right. miles. You know and what that's I mean? what it was, 66.6. Oh, okay, cool. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, you watch someone, when you're dating someone, you watch them go through a race like that, and she led for like the first 50-something miles of that race. Because she's super accomplished. Like she's doing her own thing. Like she's right. out there crushing miles. Right. Yeah. So to like see her go through that, that following day I went out and ran like my first – five-hour run that i had in my training block Mm -hmm. and i went out to the new river trail which is completely flat yeah that's where my 50k was yeah Uh, yeah brutal yeah (laughs) i did 16 miles out 16 miles back Mm -hmm. and i was like running the whole time Mm -hmm. so i made it to i felt phenomenal until like mile 27 and then 27 to 33 was like very rough yeah uh but i could tell like my even my fitness from then which that was the first week of december backtrack to when i did that 50k i was light years ahead of when mm-hmm. we just did that 50k in october um but yeah i feel like i i avoided that depression that you were talking about because you just kept moving right and i think that that was where i had the hiccup which was like it was so devastating to my body because i didn't put in training the way that you put in training like you like, that's one thing, like, you and I have been friends since we went through YTT, which was, like, what, like, 2017 or 18, something like 18, that? 18, I think, yeah. And so, you and I got really close during YTT and then just started hanging out after that. And um, th- when you got into running, like, when you when, when we met, like, you were into yoga. And, I mean, you teach yoga now, and, like, but at the time, like, I was super into yoga, you were super into yoga, and it was the sort of thing where it's like, we're doing two classes a day. We're doing back-to-back classes. We're like doing wall walks. Like we're talking about you, like obsessed, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw you take that and apply it to your training for running in a way that I never did. Like when I was a runner, I was just like, and even now, like I'm a runner, but like, you know, I'll go do a 5K or like something like that. Or even when you and I were training together, I was putting on heavier miles to try and keep up and like mm-hmm. to be able to help you train. Um, but like the commitment that you put into your training was like genuinely impressive. Cause I've known you, like I said, for like four years, three or four years. And like, I had never seen someone just flip a switch like that. Like you went from like, like hating running. I think I'd even asked you to go like, Hey man, let's go for a jog. And you're like, I don't run. Like that's not, that's not what I do. And then you went from that into like over the last seven months to doing a 50k and like you placed in the top 15 for the 50k mm-hmm. something like that like th- 12 13 fourth somewhere in mm-hmm. there um which is like a funny story for the people listening at the end of, I, I gotta tell this um at the end of the race and you might not I, we talked about this at the end of the race logan comes around the corner 
and he crushed Tom, like uh, I super think about impressive. This all the time. You were super. It was a super impressive feat. Like the way you did it, the the like the the grace and like clarity that you had during the race. Like as a crew member, it was super easy because it was just like you knew exactly what you wanted. Your mood was good. Like you felt good. And then at the end of the race, you come around the corner and you sprint. I mean, like it's you're running the forty, and the announcer says. <laughs> Logan Lemke coming in at 13th place, sprinting into the finish of an ultra marathon, <laughs> which I just thought was like, and like me, cause we were both inexperienced. Like I ran one race. That right. was your first big race. Right, I had no idea. So like that just shows like the, um, that just shows how fresh to running you are like at that level, like, and it's sort of funny mm-hmm. and it'll be a story. Like if you keep doing these races, like mm-hmm. that you can look back on like, yeah, dude, I, I sprinted into my last ultra, my first ultra, you know what right. I mean? But, um, yeah, so, like, the level of commitment that you put to your training, I think, because that's something that people in the ultra community talk about. They're like, what's the next big thing? Like, I, I just did this thing. Um, I'm happy with it or I'm not happy with it, whatever, however that shakes out. But it's always, like, this, what's the next thing? And, like, if you don't take – that was the mistake I made. I was just like, I'm done running for a long time. My knees are blown out. My hips hurt. I don't want to do this. And I just, like, stepped away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just kept moving. You kept running. So – so I think at, as bad as it sounds, COVID was really the whole reason behind all of this. Right? I think so too, man. If yeah. COVID hadn't happened and the studio hadn't have more or less shut down, yeah, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. It just would have been yo- more yoga, right? Yeah, we didn't we <laughs> didn't have the ability to go do any hot yoga, so I kind of was getting like a little. I don't want to say depressed, but was like looking for something. Physical people need physical act, right? Like, things to do, yeah. Um, and I was at a time where like work wasn't going as good as it usually does, mm-hmm. so I needed something to like prove myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when I started listening to a book, and in the book he talked about doing a hundred <clears throat> mile race. What was the book? Uh, Can't hurt me by David Goggins. Yeah classic and instant classic and i was like reading it and i was like you know what i can do that and then there's one part in the book where he literally says someone in a hotel lobby was talking to him and said i'm gonna run an ultra someday and he said when are you gonna do it and he said well i gotta do all this training i gotta blah 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 and he's like until you sign up for one you can mm-hmm. talk about it all you want yeah 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 and that's when i literally it just like clicked in my head i was like i'm gonna do one within a year yeah and you did man and you so did you sign so for, you was your first like was your first decision point like i'm going to do a 100 mile race and then sign up for it and then it was like backtracking from there like okay now what do i do from that like did you make that did you like dive into like here's the registration here's the date this is when i'm doing it and then like planning it out or did you start running like this is something i want to do let me find something to do it for so at first it was kind of like a timeline of when i wanted to do one mm-hmm and I was kind of thinking like within six months, but then I like slept on a little bit. I'm like, You're an idiot. You need a little bit more time than that. Uh, so I figured like in the new year, right? Like yeah. right after the new year. Yeah. And so I knew I had January, February as the time I wanted to do it, but I had not signed up for one yet. Okay. And so that's when I had reached out and got a running coach because mm-hmm. I also wanted to make sure if it was something this big, the training for it wasn't going to be like. I read some articles and there was no way I was gonna figure that out. Yeah, you're not gonna figure out. You're not gonna figure out training for a hundred miler on in eight months through blogs. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, found my coach Zach Bitter, who, mm-hmm. if people don't know, is like the world record holder for the 
fastest hundred mile time. Oh yeah, you're telling um, me this. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah. So I reached out to him, and he was excited about it. So that like made me more excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we kind of like got a six month training block kind of set up, but I still hadn't decided on when to do that race. We mm-hmm. kind of talked about a couple of races, and then I read an article and it said that you could do a 50 mile race for your first ultra mm-hmm. that wasn't unheard of mm-hmm. and i was like i think i'm gonna do a 100 mile race for my first ultra <laughs> maybe we should do something as like a stepping stone into that yeah so that's when i decided to do the 50k the 50k because yeah, like so, a lot of people work that into their training it's like let me get a race into my right. training so i can get the vibe of a race which that's exactly what we did is we worked it in there so i had like a little bit of a peaking um, before that race, which but, is kind of crazy not to interrupt, but like, it's so, it's so crazy that you perform so well at like, because like the mindset going into that, the way that people program often is like, I'm going to put this into my training and this is just like, I'm just going to run the race. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to see how I feel. But then like you got into the top 15 in your first ultra, which is just crazy that you like had the gumption to do that. Do you know what I mean? Well, instead, instead of just like, let me take it easy. Let me feel my legs. Like, what does it feel like to have 30 miles on my legs? Um, and you just, like, crushed it. <laughs> when the switch flips yeah. for any sort of competitive yeah, thing, yeah. It, it flips. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do anything. I can't do anything half-hearted yeah. for the most part. Yeah, yeah. So. Especially, like, you know, your dad was there. I was there. We had the van. Um, and your dad's a really cool guy. Like, I got to know him when you're crewing with somebody. Like, you're just sitting. There's, like, you, you know, how long was that race? Like... Six five, five six hours, hours something like that probably, so like right, yeah that's just like dedicated time where we're seeing you for like 97 right, clips so right. it's like six hours sitting in the van with your dad like he's a he's a really cool guy and has a really clear head and so like i just tell him i said that i will <laughs> i will tell him so i'm curious about so like let's break into the actual race so like we talked a little bit about your training like how you like because of COVID, like you needed some space to like use the energy and the athleticism that you have. And then you brought up like that competitive switch. And I'm curious because like you have a hundred mile race and the way that you described the way that they staggered it and you're looping. So like you're seeing a lot of the same faces. So you might have a general idea in your head of like, I saw this guy, he just went ahead of me, but now I'm ahead of him. So like, there's a general idea where you are in the pack, but like did that competitive switch click in the 100 mile so they or? also had a 100 kilometer race so, going on yeah. at the same time yeah 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 so you could literally if someone did pass you mm-hmm. you're kind of like he's running pretty fast he's got he's not my race he's not my race exactly <laughs> um but yeah so the staggered start they did the race started at six so six to six thirty was like the competitive mm-hmm. wave and then 6.30 to 7, 7 to 7.30, 7.30 to 8. And were you self-selected for those waves or was that just No, they just opened like it up. Okay. They opened up, right, and they, you get an email. They mm-hmm. said they've opened it up. As soon as I opened up the email and go on, the only wave that's even available is the very last one, 7.30 uh, to 8 o'clock. Okay. So you can start any time between 7.30 and 8 o'clock. Okay. Right, and they wouldn't even let two people start together. The first wave, everyone started together, but after mm-hmm. that, you had to wait like five seconds mm-hmm. for a person to get in front of you. Um. So, right, even if we backed up to, like, just getting out to Texas for this race, mm-hmm. we were supposed to leave on Wednesday afternoon, mm-hmm. work stuff, mm-hmm. we end up not being able to leave till like, Thursday afternoon, 
So we have a 16-hour drive, plus losing an hour because we're going to Texas. Right. That was an adventure, mm-hmm. right? Probably took us 20 hours total to get there. Uh, and we get there. We set everything up. We very novice, obviously. We decide we should. I mean, should. you guys have experience running race. Has, so has Rachel ever done a 100-miler? No. And so, like, you guys, like, sort of had to figure out nutrition for twice Right. Of what either of you have ever ran. And before. she's never crewed either. So oh, she's we always really been, had she's to always been out the player. Yeah. Right. Okay. So our plan was we're gonna bring her bike. She's gonna bike to all the aid stations with a backpack. Oh my god. With stuff in it. <laughs> well And then you show up and you're the only one with a bike. <laughs> literally the morning of us leaving, she texts me and she's like, My gravel bike tires are both flat. I don't have the time to like figure this out. So I'm like all right, well, I have a couple of bikes at the house, right? Mm-hmm. So I, like, get all my bikes out of the basement, and she gets there, and I'm just like, we don't even need a bike. Mm-hmm. Forget about it. We don't need this thing. So we leave the bikes. Mm-hmm. We just go. So with, now we decide. No, with no plan of, like, how she's going to get from me. I mean, I guess you would drive. Right. Well, basically, we're like, she's driving. Yeah. But we also have the rooftop tent on the car. Mm-hmm. So we knew, like, the morning of the race, I was going to have to put the rooftop tent right. back down. She's yeah. going to have to drive the car. Um. And then we decided at the last second that we should put drop bags at all the aid stations. Mm-hmm. So we start to go out and lay out these drop bags. And this one guy pulls up next to us and he has got so much stuff. <laughs> He's got like a cart to pull his stuff to the aid stations. Yeah. And so we're chit-chatting with him for a little bit. And, you know, say it's our first hundred miler, all this. And he's in front of us with his wife and his mom. He sets up a chair mm-hmm. at each aid station, a cooler. <laughs> he puts glow sticks on it so he can find it oh, when yeah, we hit yeah, like yeah. nighttime and oh, stuff. Yeah, see, that's smart. And me and Rachel look at each other and we are just like, we're idiots. We're out of our depth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the guy says to you, like, that's all you guys brought? You guys absolutely. good? You need to borrow anything? Absolutely. Yeah. So where we keep seeing them as we're like going to all the aid stations. Mm-hmm. Then we go back to the start line area. And you're putting like a couple of nature valley bars on the ground. He's got <laughs> he's got two pop up tents. Yeah. He's got a propane heater in the one. It's all completely enclosed. Yeah. He's got his whole family coming out. They got tables, grills, all this stuff. And we're talking to his wife and we're like he had even had a changing station, right? Like the for bathroom camping oh, for thing. Him. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, and so I was like, Would do you guys mind if uh, we like set our drop bag near your stuff so I could find it the yeah, next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, oh man, if you if you want to use, you can use any of my stuff that you want. Oh, right on. Cool guy. And we said to the wife, we we're like, man, we are so novice at this. Mm-hmm. And she looked at us and she was like, this is his third time doing this race. He has never finished it. <laughs> he didn't have all this stuff his first time either. Okay, well, that's good. So, yeah. But now I'm like getting nervous. Now that we're talking to people that have done this race multiple times mm-hmm. and they haven't finished it, mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh my God. Well, what so, am the, I so the, the, I mean, just the nature of 100 miles is like a lot of people will start and not finish. But was this course, because it's in Texas, is it mostly flat or like Texas is known for like long, flat for what we are used to? Yeah. But still for the 100 miles, it was over six. 6,000 feet of gain. Yeah. So okay. that's decent. Yeah. But not really for 100 not, miles. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like you take yeah. like a Western States, which mm-hmm. is like the They're like 30, US yeah, Open of feet, yeah. of running, yeah. ultra running. That's like, I think it's 24,000 feet of gain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's crazy. This is yeah. basically nothing that we're doing. Yeah. 
Um, but we train out here. So like if anybody's like not from Virginia, like the mountains out here, like a workout could be a couple thousand feet. Right. Like my, our, my typical long run, which would be anywhere from like 20 to 27 miles is going to have at least 5,000 feet of gain. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we get everything set up. We go to do the check-in that night and because of COVID, the line to to do your check-in oh, was yeah. like took forever mm-hmm. like an hour and 40 minutes for mm-hmm. us to get through this check-in we go back i love eating pasta the night before a long run <laughs> and i like it to be like pasta that's like a day old i don't know oh, why i like so pasta trash. that's it's a day old white trash that's why <laughs> but i love it right so we like made pasta before we left and put it just had it in the cooler and yeah. then we we're just going to reheat it on the camping grill that is the that's the strangest thing I've ever heard, is day old pasta. Oh, and I mean I can crush it like an ungodly amount of it. That's pretty crazy. So we okay. get back to the campsite, make this pasta with like our headlamps on. It's like nine o'clock, and we slept for like maybe three hours the night before. Yeah. Well, at least Rachel did. She did most of the driving. Yeah. So we crawl into the tent. I fall asleep like instantly. I mm-hmm. thought it was gonna be like a not sleeping night before you're doing something. Yeah, not the case. You just crashed. out. Okay, out. It's all wake that up. Cold, old pasta. Yeah, that's right. That puts you to sleep. We we're gonna wake up at I think five o'clock or five thirty or something. Like four o'clock rolls around. I had to go to the bathroom, so I got out, went to the bathroom, came back, and was like, "There's no way I was falling back asleep." Mm-hmm. You could like hear people like yeah. over where the start was, yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. "There's no way I was falling." It's like asleep. the energy's already back up. Yeah. yeah. So we like get up, we make some breakfast, eat some stuff, and it's like kind of chilly, but like not bad. Mm-hmm. Not what we we're dealing with here before the mm-hmm. race. So you're like outside and you're bebopping around. So we move everything down in the car. I'm laying in the back of the car. She's in the front. And we're kind of just like hanging out. We got the car going, like warming up. And I talked to like my dad. And I wasn't really like feeling nervous, which mm-hmm. I kept like expecting there would be some point where I started getting pretty nervous. Yeah, yeah. But wasn't really feeling any nerves. Then uh, um, we go up to the start line and get ready to get going. And like it just never hit me that 100 miles was happening. Before you started. Yeah, it right? was just like super casual. Yeah, it was super casual. It like was really, really weird. Girlfriend. Knew it was gonna yeah. be like a long day, but yeah. like was not worried. That's interesting. That might be a thing about like it's not like a sprint. Like you right. know, if you have any mistakes that happen, like you can have time to make up for right. it. You know what I mean? Let me restart this video real quick. Hold on. Okay. It kicked off. No, but it will. So I'm at 27 minutes. So I just gotta like. Okay. So we got a fresh 30 here. And we can. We could do two hours here if you want to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, Katie would get kind of frustrated. Like, hey, I thought we were going out, but, like, we could do this for as long as we want to. So, right, get to the finish line. And I don't remember what it was, but I was like, you have an ankle uh, chip on. Mm-hmm. So they basically tell you, like, do not get near that start line until you are, like, ready to start because mm-hmm. it's going to trigger. I don't remember what I was about to do, but then, like, realized I didn't, like, have something or something. So we get, like, delayed a couple more minutes. We start, we're going to start running, and when they say you can't start a 100-mile race slow enough, mm-hmm. that's the truth, right? Like, yeah, yeah, your yeah. adrenaline is going once you go across the line, yeah. and you know that you have a 100 miles to go, right? So most people just kill themselves in the first, like, half of that race. Yeah, that's what I did for my 50K. We were running, like, eight-minute miles for the first five miles. So my plan was, like, 
an 11 and a half minute pace. Yeah. That is very slow. Yeah. 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 So I'm going and I come upon like the first guy in front of me and I'm like looking for any excuse to slow down. Right. So I like start talking to him, getting Mm -hmm. all chatty with him. We're chit chatting. We're going for like the first maybe four miles. And he's like, I'm taking a walking break. And I'm like, I'm not walking. Loser. Yeah, so like, <laughs> like, all right, see you later, right? So I like leave him, get up to the first aid station. The people at the aid stations are great. COVID stuff, right, kind of suck. You pull your face mask yeah, up. They yeah. all have masks up. But they still had a whole bunch of prepackaged stuff. So mm-hmm. like, sorry for the environment, but the plastic waste during yeah. that race was insane. I think that's just nature of COVID right now. Like just thinking about like as a public school teacher, the way that they're feeding the kids, it's like mm-hmm. everything is packaged and wrapped in styrofoam. And so like, we're going to see all this in the oceans 10 years oh, yeah. from now. You know what Absolutely. I mean? but, so get through the first aid station. And then there was a guy that I saw starting like five or six minutes before me that was like very similar like build and all this stuff and i was like okay and he also i didn't wear my uh running vest oh i just had a handheld oh and then i had a couple of things in my short pockets Mm -hmm. but i knew like the longest you had in between aid stations was like six miles for the whole race yeah it went four miles five five and then six and then you're back at the start line yeah so you you don't need all that hydration yeah yeah, right like one water bottle was Mm -hmm. was plenty so I come up onto this dude after the first uh, aid station. His name is Brandon. We start like chit chatting, and we're basically moving like same speed, mm-hmm. right? And so now it's like, oh, this is perfect. Like I'm gonna run right. with this guy for as long as possible. Yeah. So we go. We make it through the next couple aid stations. Hit the start line. So now we're on mile twenty. He goes over to his little tent. I get some stuff from Rachel. I go over, meet up with him, we keep going. How's your pace at right here, though? Like, did you get a chance? Did, were you slowing down? We were hitting, like, lots of what I guess is, like, considered a hill for them out there. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, let's walk this. And I would be like... Whatever, bro. <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I literally told him a couple times, I was like, dude, this right here is what we consider flat. Oh, in yeah. Virginia. This is like, this is a nice, this is, this is like, a place to recover. This is where, yeah, yeah this yeah. is where you're recovering, this is where you're recovering what we're walking up right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there were like many times where it was good that I was with him because it did slow me down yeah, quite cool. a bit. And so we keep going, and I think we get to, we're probably at mile 20 six or something Mm -hmm. and it's a part where people are coming back at you and this guy's coming and he trips and falls and he is literally like no maybe a little bit further apart than we are yeah yeah i try to like slow down but he also like trip fall like tumble yeah trips me so i like fall over no okay and you're 26 miles your legs are tired so you can't like stop yourself quickly so i kind of like fall over but a super easy fall Mm -hmm. get up from that keep going we're coming up to the next aid station, and it's like mile 29. Mm-hmm. And like, I look at Rachel, and I'm starting to, I'm like feeling real down. Yeah. And I look at her, and I'm like, this is a really long race. Because, <laughs> like, so it's in your head, like, your body felt fun, like. My body felt, so I kept having like, uh, I didn't feel like sick, but there was in the first part of the race where I felt like I like just needed to puke. 
Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this that have never done any sort of long distance stuff. And like the nutrition of like trying to figure that out because like you're burning glycogen. So you have to be eating a lot of carbohydrates. Right. So like a lot of the stuff is the goos and the powders and stuff like that, which can really kind of wreak havoc on your gut. So just training your gut is as much as the training as your life. I was eating every 45 minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. Plus every time I came into an aid station. And what were you eating? Because in your 50k, it was a lot of goose. I did, and then like I did a lot of goose, but a lot of like the energy chews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I had like a Cliff Bar. It's got to be stuff that you can almost be like chewing while you're moving. You want to move? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I tell her I'm like this race is crazy long. <laughs> Thirty miles in. Thirty miles in. <laughs> Still. <laughs> Three and a half more laps around this. And that's probably the longest you've ever ran. And I think um, Rachel had sent out a text message like around that time. And she's like, every mile from here on out is a personal record for Logan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so my left foot was also kind of hurting a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I sh- switched shoes mm-hmm. at that point. We leave that aid station. And I like I like told Brandon, I was like, dude, I, I am not in a good place right now. This mm-hmm. is sucks. Mm-hmm. Then we get to like mile, basically like 33 plus, And I tell him, I'm like, dude, everything past this, this is the longest I've ever ran yeah. in one continuous go. And he's like, that's pretty cool. And so we keep going. He's like, cool, whatever, man. Right. Shut up, keep running. He tells me <laughs> at that point, he goes, look, I'm going to try to stay with you for as long as I can. But I think it's a mistake. For him or for that's you? That's what he said. For him or for, for you? him? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> So then so all of a sudden... He, so has he done several ultra? Is it like, is he, he had done this or... a 50K and 100K before this. Okay. Um, and he had a pretty crazy uh, life story, right? Like okay, cool. A lot of people in the ultra community, like addict personality, mm-hmm. all those sort of issues. It so takes an extreme person to run Exactly. Miles. So he yeah. had so so a pretty crazy story on. too. Yeah, yeah. Well, like three miles later, I feel great. Mm-hmm. We're like running down this one part of the trail and it's kind of like a little channel mm-hmm. and i'm like running up the sides and mm-hmm. stuff like i feel phenomenal mm-hmm. hit the next aid station get some stuff leave there and then all of a sudden i kind of felt like i was like pulling brandon along mm-hmm. right like he never really was leading when we were running or mm-hmm. anything like that and there was a couple times where he was like walking and i was walking and then i was kind of like man i don't really need to be walking mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden at like mile I think it was maybe like 36 i kind of like peeked back and he was like behind me and mm-hmm. i was just like whatever see ya right yeah. like we were done at that point yeah so i move on from there go through mile 40 right now i'm on another new lap start feeling like shit again mm-hmm. uh come up to somebody at like mile 43 so you're running alone for those miles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm running alone. But I had put a headphone in. Okay. So before that, right, I was running with no music for like the first 30, whatever, 40 miles. Mm-hmm. Put some music in. I see somebody like getting stuff out of a bag, and I'm like, hey, man, do you have any Tylenol? And he's like, I got Advil. He gives me three Advil. I don't know how I've never taken Advil on a long run. Turn it run. But like two miles later... 
I felt like I hadn't even run a single mile yet. Really? It was like phenomenal. Whoa, like, okay. I'm yeah. like singing as I'm running. I'm like, <laughs> like all of a sudden drumming. I look at my watch and I'm running like I'm running like eight and a half minute pace. You're and like, I'm like, whoa, you gotta slow you down. You can't keep this. Yeah, yeah, like it was it was crazy. Yeah. And so then the next time I saw Rachel, I was like, I want a bag of ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. Like, give me enough that I can take it like every three hours mm-hmm. for now. For yeah. The rest until we're done. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I called my dad, and I'm, like, talking to my dad at, like, mile 43, and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm st-. he's like, are you stopped at an aid station? I'm like, no, I've been running. He's like, you're running right now? So I, like, <laughs> talked to him for, like, 30 minutes. Yeah. And then keep going, and, and things were great. That's crazy that that had that big of an impact. Do you know what I mean? I mean, a cr- crazy impact. I guess the amount of, like, pain that you feel in an ultra, like, yeah, there's pounding, but then there's also lot of inflammation at the joints absolutely so those NSAIDs like just crush the inflammation mm-hmm. so that makes a lot of sense so it's really like my knee that was bothering me the most my right knee well and that's probably a lot of the flat stuff do you know what i mean like because we train out here in the mountains and it's like you're using your quads a lot so you're mm-hmm. using a lot of strength instead mm-hmm. of so they're like the ups and the downs like you're using the strength of your muscles instead of the stability of your joints and your bones you know what right. i mean and so the flatter it is that was my experience was my knees were blown out running the new river trail because it was all like either gravel or asphalt and it was 100 percent flat mm-hmm. so it's like devastating to just like it's like running on a track you know what i mean like there's a reason that track work is track work and trail work is trail work so because you're using your muscles right. differently you know so this race you could have someone pace you once anything over um 50 miles okay but 50 miles wasn't like near the start line right you're technically a half halfway through your third loop at that point right so i just told rachel once i got to 60 then she could run with me so not only did she crew me for the first like 12 hours of the day Mm -hmm. but then she also ran with me for the last 40 miles that's pretty bad which is crazy yeah Yeah. (laughs) um so she starts running with me and the first loop, great, moving super, super good. Uh, then we come around, we hit like mile 80, and now it's it's starting to get... No, we had two loops where we had lights on the whole time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. But we like, at mile 80, starting that last loop, we stopped for a little bit and I had to go to the bathroom. So this mm-hmm. is the first time I like sat down. Oh, right? yeah. So I sit down and then yeah, yeah, the porter John, yeah. go to the bathroom. When I get up, like, I was like, yeah, that yeah, did not yeah. feel good getting yeah, back yeah. up. Yeah. So we go to start the last loop, and uh, she gives me, like, a long sleeve T-shirt to throw on. Throw that on. I didn't have, like, my little windbreaker. And we start, and she's like, should I grab it? And I'm like, no, nah, don't even worry about it. Wait, what time of day is this? We've now hit... Maybe like to all the people listening, my little midnight. chihuahua just wants to say hi. My chihuahua wants to come in and like do the podcast with us, but know, he but does. he can't. He can't. So it's like so a wait, little bit after midnight. At midnight. This point. Okay. Um. So she's gonna run to the car and grab my windbreaker. Mm. So she does throw it on. We start going, and she says to me, "She's like, do you need me? Do you want me to be like mean, or do you want me to be nice?" <laughs> And I was like, I need you to be nice. And so we like walked down this hill and she's like, all right, let's start. We need to start moving a little bit. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. So 
now they have like what little... a what a sophisticated question to ask right like that's natural coaching um does she have coaching experience swim coach okay because that's that's just like that's the right question to ask somebody because in different spaces like you because like we're, we've both been like lifelong athletes and like some coaches handle things differently and some coaches are just always nice or always mean and so like asking that question like and i told her i was gonna need her to like push me yeah um because that's naturally how i am mm -hmm. but again never have i worked myself for never this been long. in that right. headspace yeah. yeah like just be nice to me exactly <laughs> so on the trail they had like these awesome reflectors that were hanging from some branches like they were so bright she kept calling them lights because we have obviously have headlamps on but they were literally just reflectors but they reflected that light so brightly that they looked like lights in the trees but she kept saying we would try to like jog from reflector to reflector and then walk we did that for like four miles and then my right knee was like you are not taking another step not you're not jogging another step mm -hmm. and it wasn't even like pain okay like suck it up and deal with this it was like if you don't stop you're, you're gonna, gonna you're, you're gonna pass out oh okay like yeah. it was like that hard of pain where like you're gonna puke you're gonna pass out yeah so i basically told her i could not we could not run anymore so that's so crazy we are now hiking the last like 17 miles of this race now i get like the first time that like emotions mm -hmm. roll in right because i'm like wow this is where it like gets tough so go through a little emotional time get to the next aid station and the people at the aid stations were phenomenal so this guy's like trying to like joke a little bit and i like had said my knee was hurt and he's like all right well let me just i'm just gonna stomp on your other foot and take your pain off your knee and i was like well actually my other foot is what's hurting <laughs> that too, hurts so, too yeah so. <laughs> so that's not gonna work uh so we like leave there we keep going and we we're trying to hike like pretty fast right because i was trying to keep at least like a 15 minute per mile pace which is it's like a brisk walk that's a quick walk yeah, yeah. like if you're on the treadmill that's like a like a 4.2 exactly. miles per hour or something exactly. like that yeah so uh we keep going and then all of a sudden i like take a step and just like hiking my knee was like killing me mm -hmm. it's also we're now i don't even know what time it is probably like three o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning and it's like gotten significantly colder plus when you're no longer moving right so your you're body has like cooled yeah. down a lot so rachel suggests and you have that, sweat on you so right. it's like all's bad she's like i need to get to the car and get like our jackets and stuff our car is back at the start line so she is going to leave me run ahead run back to the car meet me at the next aid station well she tells me if she doesn't meet me at the next aid station to keep going and she will catch up to me i'm like why don't you run to the next aid station and ask somebody for a ride mm -hmm. and she looks at me like what the fuck am i talking <laughs> about right and i'm like rachel that we're seems all like a doing this 100 request. mile yeah. race like somebody will give you a ride back to the car right so she leaves me like two minutes later i walk up upon somebody who's in the race he's all bundled up from head to toe and i see his shoes I'm like, those are the shoes that Brandon was wearing. I get along the side <laughs> of him. I look over, and it's Brandon, yeah. and he looks miserable. So wait, he so he was in a car? No, he was no, he walking. Was, he was walking. So okay. I, at this point, have now lapped him. 
Okay. So I'm 20 miles ahead of him in this race. Yeah. Okay. 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 I'm like, hey, buddy, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm, this is terrible. He said, when I get to the next aid station, I'm pulling out. Oh, really? And he's, he looked at me and he said, he goes, I went out way too fast. So he said, so he said initially that I'm going to stick with you, but it might be a mistake. Do you think that turns was the out that it was turns a mistake. out it was a mistake because yeah. he was keeping pace with you. Yeah. And that, okay. And so but that's not on you. I'm not like bringing that up. Right. Like, Hey Logan, feel bad about this. Like he right. made his decision. Do you know what I mean? So I keep going, right. I get a little bit ahead of him. I get to the next aid station and I come up to the people at the aid station. I'm like, Hey, did a girl run up here and ask for a ride back to the start line? And they're all looking at me like, dude, it's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. You're delirious. Yeah. Like, you don't even yeah. know what you're talking about. <laughs> There's nobody like, else out here. <laughs> they're like a lot of people have quit at this point. And I'm like, no, she was like a pacer. And they're like, no, no one came here. And so I'm like, she ran she back ran. to the start. And of the so car. that's how many miles probably? It was maybe like another mile back yeah. to the car. Not yeah. too bad. I call her. She's like, she's like, no, I ran back to the, to the car. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. And she's like, I'm like, are you getting a ride back here? She's like, I'm trying to. She's like, keep going. And then in your head also, like, you're thinking, like, she could get a ride and be back to me in, like, two minutes. But if she runs, it could be 10 to 15 minutes. Right. So even even in that, like, thinking about her, like, not making her run extra miles, but then also, like, you're cold, you're wet, right. you're tired. Right, right, right. Like, I want you to get your ass back here exactly. now. Like, I want my jacket. Exactly. Yeah. So she's like, keep going. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll keep going. I get off the phone with her. I'm like, I'm not leaving this aid station until okay. she gets back here. All of a sudden, because of the rooftop tent on the car, it's super easy to spot that car, right, even in the dark. I see the car pull up, and I'm like, she drove the car back here. Yeah. Because now, when the race is done, now she has to get back to this aid station to get the car. Yeah, just chaos. Exactly. Just like all sorts. But she's tired, too. Yeah, but she comes out, dude. She had my Patagonia jacket, Mm -hmm. a pair of leggings, um, a hat. I didn't even consider a hat. Didn't even. And a pair of gloves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So phenomenal clutch yeah phenomenal right choice i sit down i start taking my shoes off and she goes why are you taking your shoes off and i look at her and i go you did just bring me pants right <laughs> and she's like okay <laughs> and so we get the shoes off i like pull my, the leggings up she like reties my shoes back on bundles me up in a jacket oh here's the big thing luke our buddy luke for people who don't know him i got trekking poles from him Right before we left. Oh, Luke, we climbed with. Yeah. Oh, okay. And as I was getting them from him, I was like, look, I probably won't need these. Yeah. But if I do need them, mm-hmm. I want to have them. Mm-hmm. So that was the big thing she was going back for was the trekking, trekking poles. Trekking poles. We and get these trekking you poles right. set like, up. Don't have to use your core as much. Like everything. Get these yeah. trekking poles set up, bundle me in this jacket, hat on, headphones in. She tells me we have like three and a half hours to beat the 24-hour uh, timeline. Right, which so is, that's not a cutoff, though. It's not a cutoff, but that in the 100-mile race is like a big... That's a benchmark. Benchmark. Yeah, that's exactly. like a thing, like if you do a 100-miler, like you want it under 24. So I wanted to do it in 20 hours, right? But obviously at this point, we weren't doing it at that point. Mm-hmm. So we had like three and a half hours to do the last 11 miles. She sets me up. I got one earbud in. We just start going and do the trekking poles are phenomenal mm-hmm. right because exactly like you're saying you're pulling yourself you can lean into them a little bit mm-hmm. like it was great and then you're using a different muscle like you haven't been using those muscles in the same way so like all of your muscles that are super fatigued now you can like use auxiliary muscles exactly do you know what i mean exactly so uh 
we get to the the final aid station and we had decided like as we were coming into it like i was going to just like keep going mm-hmm. and she was going to go to the bathroom grab something to eat and then she was going to catch back catch up, up to me so i just keep going she gets back up to me we keep going now the sun's coming up which that like in itself like running from like sun up through sundown and back to sun up is like a crazy experience as well we get to about a mile and a half left and it's like pretty evident like i'm i'm gonna got plenty of time right and so then i get like super emotional again mm-hmm. and now anytime we started going downhill the downhills like really hurt on your knees mm-hmm. yeah so we make it to the finish line cross the finish line right hug everybody's super happy uh go over to where we have all of our stuff and she like sits me down in a chair and then like leaves me there and she has to like go get the car so she goes and gets the car comes back and now getting me out of the chair is like Mm -hmm. more or less impossible Mm -hmm. i get out of the chair i'm at this point i'm like i'm not showering after this is done i'm just crawling in the back of the car and going to sleep yeah she's like no you have to shower you're disgusting (laughs) so you just ran for 23 hours yeah we drive back over to the showers and uh she gets me out of the car and like i cannot walk like my left ankle is super swollen i'm like hobbling she walks me into the women's shower and just like takes just my clothes hoses off you me and, like, yeah like, hoses me <laughs> off in the women's shower i come out she gets ev- just pulls everything out of the car grabs the mattresses that are in the top tent puts them in the back and I just like crawled in the back and like tried to sleep. That's, and that's what I think I the picture you saw yeah. where I looked like. She miserable. just she sent that to the group chat, and I was like, "Yeah, that looks that looks about right." And like you were you weren't sleeping, you just like had this like strange grimace right. on your face, and like your shoulders were everything all hurt, up. dude. Yeah. Everything hurt so bad at that yeah. point. So I'm curious, like, so you said uh, like, there's a couple things in that story that popped out to me. So like you said, at like mile. When you first started telling the story, you said at like mile 70 or so, you felt great. And like, that's what brought you to the idea. Like, I want to keep doing this and I want to do something bigger. Right. But then also you said like when it started getting cold and you had to, like you had to hike, you know, your way out. You also said there was some emotional stuff. And then at the end, like you had that emotional stuff. So I'm curious, like, so, you know, you go up to that aid station and you're kind of blasted and you've been walking and they're trying to like cheer you up. Like, Hey, let me stomp on your foot. So like, what was that experience? So like, what were you thinking? Like, I can't do this. Never in my mind did that cross my mind that I couldn't do this. I knew it was, it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, it was just like, it was so cold. Right. So then once, like when I was waiting for that aid station, you're cold and stuff like that. And you had it in your head, right. That she was like coming back. So there's no more like multiple goals or tasks in your Mm -hmm. head. It's like Mm -hmm. whatever that last thing was you're thinking about Mm -hmm. until that is checked off, Mm -hmm. you can't move on to the next one. Yeah. So like I was just like standing there, right? Like been awake forever, super dazed. Mm -hmm. And until she came back and was with me, there's no way I could have. Yeah. Like kept going. Yeah. 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 Um, so we're sort of just like stuck, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Like, and then in pain and cold. I was confident the entire time I was absolutely going to finish it, mm-hmm. but yeah, there was I just couldn't take another step. Let me take a pause real quick. Reset this thing. It's gonna be my longest podcast ever. Well, good. Now your your people have something better to listen to. <laughs> I'm gonna.
to keep that in there too. <laughs> um, so, uh, just like the 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 way that I can understand this story the best is through my experience and relating it to yours, because in my head, when I did a fifty k, which is like a third of what your race was, throughout almost past mile seventeen, I was like, I'm gonna quit. I'm going to quit. I'm going to the next aid station I get to, I'm going to quit. And then like, I just didn't have like the brass to do it. Right. And so like, I didn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't quit out of, I, I didn't quit my race because I didn't have like the guts to actually quit it. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I'm grateful that like, I didn't have that, you know what I mean? But I'm curious. I, th- I think that almost for, for someone like you, not to say it was easier, but like that's the easiest way for me to think about it. It's like you know you're gonna finish it, and so like there's never a question about it. So it, right. in a sense, it's almost easier to say like I know I'm gonna do this, versus having to consistently like no you have to do this, no you have to do this. You know what I mean? Well, what is nice, what I give a lot of credit to is like the way I was raised with my dad mm-hmm. and working for my dad forever. Mm-hmm. There would be times where we were working where we worked for. 20 to 30 hours straight and as much as i wanted to quit right that was like when i was first out of high school when you work for your dad you can want to quit all you want Mm -hmm. but you can't you're not quitting right so you work until the job is done right so i feel like give a lot of credit to that right where i like knew the job was finishing that race and i was not going to stop until i walked across that finish line yeah the fact that you got into running like i know i said it earlier but it just it really came out of nowhere. It came it's it came so thoroughly out of nowhere because you had said like I don't like running. Like mm-hmm. Jeremy, we've tried to get him who's another friend of ours, tried to get him going running and it it was it's like the same dialogue like you know I'll hike with you. Like we we had been on many hikes before, but like running was never on the table, you know? Right. And then you just went 0 to 60. And now I like can't even like to not do it would be weird. So what is the, so yeah, so that's what I'm thinking about now because you ran, you just like did like two miles today and you were like, that was hell. So what is your, so the reason after the 50K that you didn't end up feeling low was because like, let's just get back into the training. Right. But right now you're not training, right? You're like getting back into that. So right. what was the, and your race was like was early like 20 January? Days ago. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So end of January. Mm-hmm. First weekend of February. First weekend of February. Okay. So, I mean, you haven't been running for weeks. So what's the process like a week after? I mean, for days, you're probably just sitting on the Laying couch. Laying on the couch. Yeah. yeah. Eating burritos and watching Netflix. Right. Can barely walk. Yeah. I was on crutches for like the first week. You legit had crutches? Could not bend my, my left ankle was so swollen that I, I could not lift my toes up. I got x-rays on my foot. Oh, you did? Yeah. They okay. thought I had stress fractures on yeah. my foot. And you didn't. Yeah. That's interesting. There's an ultra runner named Cam Haynes. Have you ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's had stress fractures and just like keeps running yeah. on them, which is just... I don't know if that's... I don't advise to do that. But I don't advise that either. I don't <laughs> that's also like the people who have toenails falling off and like all that. I have a friend who... I, I, I knew a guy who, um, from climbing, he lost some toenails. Yeah. And that's just a thing people do. They mm-hmm. lose parts of their body to their to their practice. So the after race, yeah. once we, like, Rachel slept for a little bit, we packed everything up, we go to get all of our 
coolers and stuff from where we were camping. Uh, and I have like a really nice Yeti backpack cooler. Mm -hmm. Those are not animal proof. Just FYI. <laughs> and that the was, squirrels so, in Texas are huge. Oh no, dude, I've seen them. The largest squirrels I've ever seen in my life. I've seen them. So when Katie, got, when, last time I was in Texas, um, Katie had her appendix taken out. I think I might've mm -hmm. told you this story mm -hmm. before, but I'll tell it here. So we go out have tacos in el paso and then i drive the van out to this like super remote spot because it's known for having wild sheeps or ram some sort of critter like there's a wild animal and we drive out there and as we're driving out there katie's like i'm not feeling well i'm like okay cool lay in the back like it's a camper van like you can just lay in the back and she like starts googling her symptoms and she's like i think i have appendicitis and i was like we'll figure it out later <laughs> and so we get to the spot and then I start Googling stuff and I'm like, you might have appendicitis, but now we're like two hours into the desert. And so we're looking up at the stars and like have this cool experience for just a moment, but she's like in pain. And I'm like, all right, well, let's go to sleep. It could just be like an upset stomach. You're not going to die, but we'll check on it in the morning and see how you feel. She wakes up in the middle of the night and she's like, we got to go to the hospital. I'm like, I think we should go to the hospital. So we go. And I'm driving to your squirrel story. I'm driving like in my underwear, like four o'clock in the morning in the front of this van. Katie's in the back, like moaning, like in pain. And like, I feel bad. Cause like, I pro maybe I should have taken her the night before. Definitely. You know what I mean? Definitely. Uh, so like, but it, you know, you can think back on things and realize you messed up. But so I'm driving and I see these, I see these rabbits and I think I'm hallucinating at first because it's like four in the morning. I mean, it is nowhere, nowhere. Like, we had to drive an hour and a half to the nearest hospital. And when we got there, it was a super janky hospital. So they had to take her to Odessa, which was, like, still sort of a janky hospital, but, like, the nice janky hospital. And so I'm seeing these rabbits that are every bit the size of, like... Jackrabbits. It's like a, they're, like, the size of a watermelon. Yeah. And their ears are as long as my forearm. Yeah, and I'm, like, yeah, driving, bro. and I'm, like, what was they that? They look like dogs. Yeah, they look yeah. like little dogs. Exactly. Yeah. So, Absolutely. So, yeah. Texas so, has some wild critters. Yeah, we get back to the campsite, and there's a squirrel sitting on top of the cooler, and like, huge. And I'm like, they're so used to people, right, that like mm -hmm. you get within, like, five feet of them before they leave. And they learn coolers. Animals learn coolers. They know what's oh, in yeah. there. Yeah. So he leaves. We grab the cooler. He chewed a hole through yeti. the zipper part of the Yeti, like, that big. Bowling ball size. Did he get any food? The only thing that was in there that was edible was one uncrustable. See, that's the thing. Like, so he might have sniffed that out, but also, like, if you go to Yosemite, they say don't leave coolers in your car because the bears have learned how to open your car. Yeah. So, like, you have to keep your like animals learn what coolers are. And so was that was great. Like, use the backpack cooler twice and yeah. called the Eddie, and they were like, "Sorry, soft coolers don't uh, aren't animal proof." So. <laughs> That's on, shit. that's on you. It's <laughs> yeah. like, what? Are you kidding me? Uh, so we pack everything in the car, hit the road. It's like Sunday afternoon. Rachel had to be back to work on Tuesday morning. What was your work like? Did you take time? Yeah, then yeah. my work is very lenient. Right? Yeah. They don't really care. Yeah. Um, and so we get back in the car, and at this point, there's obviously no way I am driving at all. Mm -hmm. So I just lay in the back of the car. Rachel drives for like four or five hours. She's the low-key superstar of this story. You know what I mean? Like, you went out and you kicked ass and you did your 100-miler, but could you imagine doing that solo? Oh, dude, we had already decided even just with one other person, mm -hmm. never again can yeah. you do that. You yeah. at least have to have two people. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to do it with just one other person. Yeah. But so we go, like, four or five hours, get back into Louisiana, 
and she's thinking about like just driving straight through and i was like we're not doing this so i like got us a hotel room a super eight hotel In we Louisiana. pull up to it yeah we pull up to it and she's like this is a ghetto hotel and yeah. all i'm thinking is like honey if you saw some of the hotels my dad made us stay in when yeah. we were working yeah this is like luxury yeah we're living living yeah, fat exactly we might get bed bugs but right right we'll be all right we oh we're about five minutes away from the hotel mm-hmm. and i say to her i'm like hey when you go in to check us in can you ask them if they have a wheelchair and she looks at me and she's like you want me to ask them if they have a wheelchair they i'm sure they do and for those who don't know rachel has like not terrible social anxiety, but she doesn't like to ask questions. It's a strange like that. question. Yeah, exactly. that's, a, that's like not a normal question to ask. So she's like, "You want Especially me when, to like, ask she's that?" She's young, fit, and healthy. Right. And there's like they see in the car. There's another young, fit, healthy person. It's right. Like, yeah. She, you want me to ask that? And I'm like, "Yes, like, babe, I, I want walk. you to ask I that. Walk. I cannot walk." Or my crutches, exact words. Yeah. Or a dolly. She's like, "I cannot ask that." She goes, "It's probably good for you to walk, anyways." Maybe. And so it like triggers in my head. I'm like, all right, great. <laughs> we pull up to the hotel and she's like, do you want me to go and check us in? And I was like, no, no, I'll go check us in. It's, <laughs> it's good for me to walk anyways. <laughs> so this is interesting. So like when you, so there's a thing, like when you are spending a lot of time with someone like hiking, camping, backpacking, paddling, whatever it is, like there's no phones. There's no, like, you're not listening to a podcast. You're not, like, you are with that person. And I thought when you guys started dating, um, it was, like, a perfect, like, you guys got to know each other at a race. And you get to know somebody when you're running together. Like, we've had great conversations, just the two of us, just running in the woods. And eventually, if you do something like a 100 miler, or even a 50K, or any race, anything that you're really exerting yourself on and the other person's helping you, it's like, dude, just just do what I want you to do. You know what right. I mean? Like you're in pain and you need right. help. And so like, and all they want to do is help you. But then there's like a miscommunication there. So like, did you have a couple of those? Like, yeah, I was basically like, like no, I'll moments. check us in. Right. Like yeah. uh, you stay in the car. <laughs> so I open up the back door of the car and I like try to get out. And this is the first time I had gotten out. I don't Mind know if you, I... you were asking her to get you a wheelchair. Right. 10 minutes prior. Right. So I get out and now my ankle is like, thoroughly swollen Mm -hmm. swollen stiff right not moving Mm -hmm. to try to walk was like my one leg was like solid and i was like (laughs) hobbling so i like hobble to the uh up to like the check-in area and there's a sign on the door that says because of covid they're not letting anybody into the lobby so to call this number so i'm just like i walk all the way here yeah 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 but then there's like a little window next to that door so i like hobble over there the lady comes over and she's like looking at me like, she goes, do you have a reservation? I said, yeah. And she's like looking at me like, there's no reservations in the system. So I'm like, oh, what the hell's going yeah. on? And at this point, I'm like, man, I got to go to the bathroom. And they might not have ever seen someone with long blonde hair hobbling over, like Probably they got shot not. in the leg. You Probably know not, I mean? exactly. Yeah. So she's like, who is this guy? What's he up to? Is uh-huh. he going to be like doing And anything? I was like, I just made a reservation online. She's like, yeah. okay, it takes a couple minutes to come through the system. So she like goes back. And I like have to go to the bathroom and she's just sitting at the computer and I'm like, oh my God, this could not take any longer. See, that's why you need a van, dude. I know. You could have just gone to the bathroom in the van. I know. So 
she eventually like comes back over, we sign everything. She's like, Oh, I gave you I saw you hobbling, so I gave you a handicap room. <laughs> and I was like, Thank you. Yeah. So I get back in the car. Can I get a wheelchair? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we go over to the room and like I get into the room and like, dude, perfect. Handicap room, totally needed, right? Like bars for like to go to the bathroom and stuff, oh, like yeah. everything. Yeah. Like the shower had like a seat in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like could not have been a better situation. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't have thought to ask for that. Exactly. Because it's also kind of rude to ask for. Exactly. Like you're able-bodied. Right. Like, can I get the handicap room? So, oh, also like eating the whole day after I finished the race, like I was not hungry at all. Oh, that's interesting. And Rachel kept saying like, you need to eat, but like I just was not hungry. Hmm. We even we tried to go to a place in Texas afterwards, and I ate like a couple of bites, and just like wasn't feeling it. Yeah, your body's just ready to keep running. Yeah. <laughs> so we got in the hotel room. She went and got some Subway, brought it back, and I like ate like most of a Subway sandwich, but wasn't was not thrilled about it. Mm-hmm. And then we went to sleep. Woke up in the middle of the night, had to wake her up to help me to the bathroom. Fell back asleep, woke up the next day, and uh, I think I took, I don't know if I took a shower that next day or the night before, but we just got back in the car, and we still had like 12 hours to drive, and she drove all 12 hours back. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty gangster. I mean, shouts out to her. I mean, she should have gotten the wheelchair, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but like the, like putting in that amount of time and like running back and forth, pacing, crewing. You're, I think you're right. Like one person is not enough yeah. to do something like that. Yeah. Um, so what I'm thinking about is, so what did it feel like to finish that? Did you uh, cry? Like cried like in that last like mile of getting back. But once I crossed the line, right, I like sat down. In that last mile realizing like I'm going right. to finish this. Yeah. yeah. But then once I finished and sat down, then it didn't that sort of emotion didn't really come in back your out. head you so like you can you can have that that like that go like i'm going to do this mindset but then also like things can happen that stop you from doing it do you know what i mean so mm-hmm. did, throughout the race did you ever have some experiences like i know that i'm going to finish this race but it's possible that i just blow out my knee and i can no longer walk no yeah you just like you yeah just i knew it. like even if i had to like crawl But even in that last mile, like having that realization of like that emotional release of like, I did this and I know that I like, I have only a mile left. So like nothing got in the way from my will, you know, I had this will, like I'm going to do this thing, but you know, I mean, something could happen. Like that guy fell into you a marathon in, like Mm -hmm. he could have broken your, he could have blown your knee. Like he could have hyperextended your knee and then 76 more miles. You just, it's not possible to do that. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you could have crawled. I crawled during my 50k. I know. I remember you telling me that. I, I literally crawled during. Oh, my I think 50K. About, I've probably thought about that like a hundred times while running since you told me that. Story. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> you just picture me. Yeah, it just crawling. goes through my head all the time. Oh, dude, I was, and it's like a 50k is an impressive number, but it's not really. Do you know what I mean? Like, I agree. I thought it was impressive <laughs> yeah. when I ran it, and now I'm like, it's not really. Like, good. it's if you know people who run like that, it's like 32 miles is like that. You are if you can run 32 miles, you're fit. You're really fit. But it's not, like, impossible. Like, most people, if they dedicated themselves to it, most people could probably do that. At least walk it. I'm at a point now where it's, like, if it's a race that you can finish before the sun goes down so you don't have to use a headlamp. Yeah. 
That's not that impressive. That's not that impressive. Yeah. <laughs> not to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I was crawling, dude. I was like on I, – I remember because it was a really small race. There was maybe 100, 150 people in it. And, you know, once I finished the marathon, that's when it – like mile 18, 19, I think that was like the most my, – my most miles on a training run was probably 20 miles. It's like 18, 19, 20. Those were all tough miles. And then I slogged my way through to like 25 or 26. And then the last four or five miles, I think took me a couple hours. Mm -hmm. Like I'd have to like talk to Katie and like look at my journals. But in my memory, like it took hours to do that because like at one point I laid down. Right. And I was like, how long could I? And my watch died and my phone died. And like you've been on the New River Trail. It's like there's not, I mean, there's nobody out there. I didn't see anybody during my race like everybody kind of like ran did their thing and then i was like by myself so i was like well i can just kind of like take a nap it's funny that you bring up the watch dying so on the drive out to texas there's no way your watch lasted the whole 24 hours right no and i knew it wasn't going to right so i'm doing like research like before we leave trying to figure out how you get like the most battery life out of this watch Mm -hmm. and i'm like logan you're so dumb why did you buy this watch in the first place without like really researching how long a battery lasts are there are there watches that will last 24 yeah. Oh, yeah. hours yeah those sunto watches like that's what rachel has phenomenal really there's a garmin 945 36 hours mm-hmm. the garmin 745 which just came out like 16 hours with with all the features turned on yeah so i'm like what the hell yeah it's like one o'clock in the morning i'm in the back of the car trying to sleep and it just clicks in my head i'm like you didn't even bring your watch charger. <laughs> <laughs> and so I literally say to Rachel, I, I'm like, fuck. And she's like, what? And I was like, I don't even have my watch charger. Yeah. And so now we're like, well, you're totally screwed. She's like, well, maybe you can get one from a store. Yeah, good luck. And right? the pacing on that, like you want that number. Like you want to be able to see. Like you, right. need, you need, like the watch is a useful You at least tool. have to know what your pace is. You have to know what your pace is. Like a watch is... Like it's crucial. You just have to know. Like, am I running a eighteen right. minute mile or a twelve minute mile? So Rachel said difference. at that point, she was like, "I will, I will ask people for a watch charger when we get there." There's definitely someone there, right? Yeah. And it's a popular rated Garmin watch. Of course, mm-hmm. there's gonna be somebody. Mm-hmm. So the first person I asked when we got into the campsite, he didn't have one, but he's like, "One of my buddies that's coming. They have, they have a watch like that." They, you guys are like fumbling from aid station to aid station with like crinkled up grocery bags full of granola bars <laughs> and like no chairs. <laughs> Like, we actually did use reusable grocery bags yeah, for our yeah. drop bags. Yeah, and yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like you're like, hey, does anybody have a charger? While a homeboy is like setting up a propane grill right. in like a changing station right. and like yeah. So this dude that uh, was camping by us did have the watch charger, and he was just pacing, so he didn't even like need to charge his thing. So he gave it to me for the whole night. Like oh, thank God, gorgeous. it was phenomenal. Yeah, man. Like runners, there's something about it because I think it's inherent to the sport. Like I think there's two things about it. I think doing, doing long distance car, like doing zone two for hours, I think is just good for your heart and your brain and your lungs in a way that allows you to just be calmer Mm -hmm. so that you're not as like, like you're not as triggered. Like you're not as like as, as fired up. Like you're so, and then also the nature of being in the woods for an extended period of time, I think is really nourishing to the mind and allows people to establish relationships. And then the nature of like, we need each other to do this. You know what I mean? Like the, the crewing aspect of doing ultra, it's like a, it's like a NASCAR driver. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like 
that person might be the one that like waves the flag or whatever. I don't, I don't even watch NASCAR. I don't know anything about it. But I know there's a crew and I know there's a driver. Like they may be the ones popping the champagne bottles, but like the crew is what equally allows as important. equally as important, you know? So like people are crewing for crews. They're not on, you know right. what I mean? In the running world. So, yep. And so now, uh, that's what I want to know. So like, where are you at? Cause like we're coming up on an hour and a half. So we might, and like Katie is probably like, Hey, let's, we'll wrap let's, this up let's but let's, let's like, what else? So what is next? Like, what are you thinking? We don't have, we don't have to wrap. We can we can keep this going as long as you want. I'm just you know, the real thing that I was curious about was if you look back at my training, mm-hmm. I was basically doing between like sixty and seventy miles, right, for like the last eight weeks for the race. Is it the? Is it like the amount of time that I was on my feet that day during the race that led to like my knee and my ankle blowing out, or was it the amount of miles? That's a good question. Right, like if I had ran harder, could I have gotten to 90, 95 before my knee started hurting? Mm-hmm. Right. Or was it? Because you would have been on your feet for 20 hours instead right, of 23. Yeah. Right. So then it's like, because my training, right, really only had that like 70 mile max, mm-hmm. right? And then I made it to like 80 before everything hurt. If I was doing 100, 105 miles a week, would that change it up when it comes to race time that's an interesting question yeah and so that's sort of like what you can play with now right is because like you have that fitness and you can sort of think about those things you can think is it about time on feet i mean i've heard runners talk about how hiking is a useful tool for um like off days just Mm -hmm. because it's still time on feet but it's not as like joint impact intensive and like cardio intensive um yeah, I think the limiting factor would be the legs. Like, that's right. what seems like it was for you. Like, your heart and lungs felt good. I mean, in zone right. two, it's like, it's nothing. Like, you're, right. like that's it, the... In I don't de- think my heart rate got over, like, a 135. But you have race. a... <laughs> but, dude, your heartbeat... I don't know what's going on with your heart. Like, you have a different heart. Like, I, I've looked at our Garmin data, like, side by side on runs we've been on, and my heart rate average would be, like, 165 or whatever, and yours is, like, 135. There's something there's something different about your heart that allows you to. It's larger. It's like uh, you have, like remember those Lance Armstrong commercials where he uh, did CPR on the elephant and no. like brought the elephant back to life. <laughs> no, I don't know that one. You don't remember those commercials? No, man, I don't that's know that one. basically what I got going on. Yeah, you have like your, and that's it's just it, the whole thing is a testament to like like dedicated practice of what you did, but also like you you have like athleticism that is not available to everyone. I think you know what I mean. I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but your heart, your heart rate is just yeah. It's it was super impressive to like look at those numbers. And but the the question of what does it look like to, I mean, a way to put that to the test of like is it miles or minutes? Right. Is to do a hike, do a twenty four hour hike. Right. You know what I mean? And just like have twenty four hours on your legs in that sort of setting. It's true. And, you know, you'll do forty miles instead, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you think about, like, Scott Jurek's run, I mean, he was hiking a lot of that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's a lot of, I mean, what was Scott Jurek doing on the AT a day? Like, 40 miles? He was trying to do, I think, 50, but there were days where he was barely even covering 30. I couldn't imagine that. And see, I think that another interesting piece of, like, the athleticism that you developed in the running, I think it lends itself to, like, races are cool. Races are fun, and they're interesting, and it's an event. 
But I like the idea of what is an expedition? You know what I mean? Where you see these people like, you know, like, like Alex Honnold pops to my head for some reason because like he did cap and did all this stuff. But like that was, that was his race. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. climbing El Cap, solo and cap was his, that was his race day. Whereas if you follow him online, most of his stuff is expeditions. I'm going to this place to explore the climbing here and kind of see what that's about. And he's able to do that obviously because of financial means, because he's like the most famous climber in the world, but also because he has the fitness and the athleticism to see like, I can go to this place and I can explore and figure out what these rocks are like and what this terrain is like. Um, And I think applying that to running and fitness generally is what is an interesting thing that I can do that uses the things that I built in order to race, in order to explore instead. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So. I think more, a couple more obviously more 100 mile races Mm -hmm. but i also think i don't necessarily think i could be super fast in 100 mile races i think you could be fast at the shorter distances i think because of the like speaking of the heart rate stuff i think that you could get i think if you were to train your pace you could do really well at the marathon i think you could do you might be able to qualify for boston if you if you set your mind to that which is a three-hour marathon Mm -hmm. um I mean, what was the marathon time on your 50K? Do you know? I do not know. It was probably around four. Probably, yeah. Right? And you were pacing so that you could get another six miles in. Right. And it was mountainous. Right. I mean, that would be an interesting task. But I think I would do better even at longer than 100 mile races. Who's doing (laughs) those? And they have a Blackwater race. I don't know. Is 135. Five. The only race that I know above that is the Moab 240. Right. Because they have they had like a YouTube doc on that. Yeah. Which Moab, I did some running in Moab. It's stunning. It's unlike any other place. I think I can do that one. Moab is insane. It's like, it is, the air is dry, so it's easier to run. Like you're not heavy on the humidity, but like 102 degrees is intense but it's not as intense as when it's 102 in Appalachia right. and you're covered by trees, you know? I think of course, I haven't done serious miles out there, but you, do you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that look like over the next three years then? I don't know. We're having really... It's Bad tough water, to... Badwater would be a cool one too, like doing the 100-mile distance at... Because like for, for some of these bigger profile races, you sort of need a resume. Right. And Goggins talks about that in his book. He talks about how, I don't know what race he wanted to do. It's Badwater. Was it Badwater? Yeah. yeah. So he wanted to do Badwater. And is that what you meant to say when you said Blackwater? Yes. It's okay. Right. I was like, Blackwater. You're I've right. never heard of it. Okay, You're cool. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Badwater. Is Badwater the one in Death Valley? In Death Valley. I've been to Death Valley and it is, it was like 115 or 120 degrees. But the thing about that race, if if you're listening and you don't know it, Google it. Because it's like it goes from Death Valley to a mountain that's right next to it, which is like 10,000 feet or something mm-hmm. like that. Like the mountain itself is like a legit mountain, but it's as, it starts below sea level, right. which is just insane. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. That Dude, David Goggins got so many people on that race. Like thinking about oh, yeah. that, like Rich Roll, who's a guy that I follow. Do you know him? Mm-hmm. Um, he's vegan, by the way. 
I remember when I told you that I was going to do a podcast, you're like, you should have me on your podcast so I can talk trash about vegans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could like debate it out. But um, you know, now I'm dating one. And now you're dating one. So like, I'm basically like vegan during the week, no, at least not. for dinner. Well, no, you're not. I mean, she cooks everything. So. What's but it? then when I eat lunch, I eat meat. But what's it like? It's not terrible. She basically, her famous line I didn't expect before this every meal, this <laughs> she says, this may be too vegan-y for you before really? like every meal that we eat. She eats pretty well. Oh, yeah. I remember well. I remember she was over here, and um, I was talking about having had Beyond Burgers or something. Yeah, she's not into that. And she's like, I try not to eat that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I do. <laughs> She'll have those every once in a while because I like grilling out so much that mm-hmm. like she will do that. The but... sausages are good. Have you had those? No, I haven't. I will never and have never Dude, eaten I'm that t- stuff. I'm telling you. Why would I eat that when you could eat a real sausage? Well, we don't have to get into this. Exactly. But like, this might be another podcast for another day. But um, they're good. They're tasty. Mm-hmm. Bad water. Bad water. Maybe the Hurt 100. That's the like Hurt- Hawaii. Okay. That one's supposed to have like a ton of roots and like be really technical. Um, Are, do you have any interest in like triathlon? I do, except for the fact that... Because you bike. I don't know how to... Like, I can swim, mm-hmm. but, like, swimming like that... Yeah, I mean, like, if you do an Ironman, I think it's a two-mile swim. Yeah. And there's some sort of, like... There's some sort of calculus of what this equals to that with it, when it comes to miles, and it's something crazy. It's, like, yeah. 50 miles or something. Yeah. But that's a nice thing that Rachel was a college swimmer, so... She can she coach. Can teach me how to swim. Yeah. Yeah. You might have the body for a swimmer too. You're long. So that might you might get into swimming and realize like this is Maybe. or just or just drill down on this running thing. Moab. Two forty. That would be insane. By twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four? Alright, it's on the record. This is stamped. This is on the record. I think you should yeah. We'll tune in on it. Let's wrap this bad boy. All right. How do you feel? Good. Got anything else? No, this is good. We've talked about doing this for a while. We have talked about doing this for a long time. And now that I feel um, like I have the systems dialed in, like everything, it took it took me longer than I would like to admit to figure out how to hook up two microphones, though. <laughs> Katie, and I did a two, Katie and I did a podcast, like my fourth podcast or something. I was like, babe, let's do this. I want to learn. One, I want to learn how to do the thing. And then uh-huh. also like... When is the last time that you and I sat for an hour and a half without like eating or walking or running? And it's different than running. It's this is a very different thing. Like you're mm-hmm. looking someone in the eye and talking for an hour and a half. It's like we never do that, you know. So I did I hooking up the two microphones was uh, yeah, challenging. It was it was challenging. A lot of YouTube videos, but you can learn anything on YouTube. That's right. Cool, man. All right, buddy. All right, buddy. All right, guys. I'll do an outro later. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. We did it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Cool. How do you feel? That was awesome. And like, just like they always say in the Rogan ones where they're like, I can't believe we just did that for three hours or however long they talk for. Yeah. Like that blew by. Yeah. There it is. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Longest podcast on record. First guest on record. 
we are out here doing it. If you're interested, follow along at AaronWayneYoga.com. Shoot me a follow at AaronWayneYoga on Instagram. Shoot me an email, hello at AaronWayneYoga. And uh, if you're digging this, hit me with a sub and um, check it out on YouTube. We also recorded this video and put it up on YouTube. So if you want to see Logan and his long blonde hippie hair and uh, me sweating in the corner, check it out on YouTube. All right, man. See you guys on the next one.